and welcome to Medicine in the Kitchen, where we empower you with simple solutions to everyday health concerns. Welcome back to Medicine in the Kitchen, episode 52. Once again, I'm Hyasul. And I'm Felicia, and we're your guides to empowered health. So today, we switched things things around a little bit, and we figured why not, since this episode will be coming out next week, and it's, you know, one of my favorite holidays, so why not talk about Halloween? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And yeah, I forgot that it was one of your favorite holidays. I don't know how I forgot because you've definitely talked about it before. Um, but yeah, that's exciting. It is. It's super exciting. And we thought, you know, why not start with a nice, light, fluffy part of Halloween and then focus a little something that kind of reflects some of the episodes we talked about last year, I think it was, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Last year we talked about fall and it being the traditional Chinese medicine organ um, of the lung. And so we talked a lot about the lung and the emotions around the lung. Um, but yeah, this year we'll, we'll switch our focus a little more to Halloween, which I think is, is a fun idea. Why not? I mean, I know some people do not celebrate it because uh, according to some people that I know from different religions, they say it's a devil's night and things like that. And some people are actually Catholic and still believe that. So I am very, very much confused as to why, but maybe we can figure it out. Oh, yeah, that's interesting because, I don't know, being Catholic, I've always, I've always celebrated Halloween, but it's been more about celebrating saints and... Then there's All Souls Day after Halloween, so mm-hmm. definitely, definitely still celebrate. But that, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if it's maybe like a cultural thing, so like your background really influences it, and depending on what your culture might think about it, it affects like your religion. I don't know. That's true. Like, I, do, I do actually. Now that you mention it, I feel like there are some like Christian denominations, I've heard of that, don't celebrate Halloween or some don't even celebrate holidays in general. So definitely, I'm sure that's a thing. I mean, uh, for me, when I first celebrated Halloween, I actually learned about it because I, my parents used to travel back and forth in the States for work and stuff. So I started celebrating Halloween the American way, but in my culture, we have the Day of the Dead. So I got like three days of what I would consider Halloween. And um, yeah, but for us, it was very different celebrating the Day of the Dead. So one day I was like, woohoo, yeah, the 31st, I get to dress up and like ask for candy. And then all my neighbors are like, what's going on, right? And I went to my mom's hometown one time and it was Halloween and they're doing their Day of the Dead celebration because yes, it's held those November 1st and 2nd mainly. But, like, there's a couple of events and things that they do before that. And so they're all, like, dancing in the streets and doing their, like, celebrations because each town has a slightly different way of doing it. For my mom's area, it's called Chantolo. And they even have a pageant now, which is really cool. So mm. we, like, Miss, um, Miss Halloween, I guess you could call it. But in their case, it's Miss Chantolo. Um, and my uncles and aunts and like people were like, why are you dressed up as a black cat? 
Like, why? And my sister, I think, was a witch that day. I don't remember. I have some pictures. We were really, really young. And and they're like, why are you doing this? So I felt really awkward because even my cousin are like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm that, all like, but you know, you dress up for Halloween. That's funny. That, that's cool, too, that you kind of got two different cultures in there. And from such a young age, you got to see, like, two different ways of celebrating. It is, but the sad part is that now Halloween has become so popular that some of the traditional Shantolo or other Day of the Dead celebrations are being lost and and being just, you know, turned into dress up and ask for candy. Well, they don't actually go out for candy, but like dress up and go to parties kind of thing. Mm. What What does traditional Day of the Dead celebrations look like? So the Day of the Dead is, I don't know what, Catholics do for All Saints Day, but originally the Aztecs had a celebration similar to um, what's it called again? Um, All Saints Day. There we go. Okay. So they had a similar celebration to All Saints Day where um, the people that have passed away come from the, I guess, the underworld, which was called Mitlan, and Shibalba, if you were Maya. And so they would come back and that would be the day that, you know, they get to spend with their family members. And also it was the day that you would also celebrate harvest. So it was like a Thanksgiving slash Halloween mix or I guess All Saints Day mix. And when they were trying to convert most of the indigenous people of Latin America or mainly Mexico, I don't know how far the Day of the Dead extends, they kind of mix the two together to try to really get people going and be like yes let's do this come on join our religion kind of thing I'm pretty sure it was more forceful but still um (laughs) I'm just sugarcoating this a lot and um so they kept some of the elements so you need an altar so it's generally supposed to be like three three different levels you put a picture of the person back then I'm pretty sure they didn't have a picture but you're put something that represents the person so let's say for my grandfather he liked tequila so I put a little shot glass of tequila whether or not there's actual alcohol that depends on if I have any at that day and um there's a candle food flowers so for us the marigold I think it's called in English oh yes 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 I've definitely heard of that being the flower for for Day of the Dead. Yes. For us, it's called which means like 20-petal flower or something like that. I don't remember. I don't speak Nahuatl. I'm sorry. I only know from like family members to speak inch. You know, they're like, oh, this is what it's called. I'm like, cool. I'll try to remember. (laughs) But it's supposed to be like a flower that represents the Day of the Dead because the number has something to do with death kind of like with with japan i think it's number four if they skip the number four low then they skip the number four in a lot of things because it sounds like death or like how you don't put your chopsticks like sticking into the rice because it represents like incense so it's something similar to that with a flower because it lasts so long till like the colder seasons 
and supposedly the aroma and the petals guide the people back. So if you've seen Coco or um, Book of Life, you see the little, um, the, the flower bridge. And then only people who have their picture taken can cross that flower bridge. It is kind of like that. It's supposed to help guide you. There's supposed to be salt on the table, on the altar as well. And I'm sure I'm missing a few other elements. Like you have to have at least fire, earth, water, air kind of thing. Uh, there's incense. There's a bunch of things. So like one, the first day usually is for children. So anybody who passed away as a young child. So they call it Dia uh, de los Angelitos or like little angels because they're so mm -hmm. pure. So you usually put like toys and candy and things like that. Um, then for the, uh, the next day, it's for more adults than anybody else. Then you just put obviously like food and things like that. You go to the tombs and you clean them out. If people have tombs, they decorate the tombs really nicely too. So like if you guys have time, Google some of the altars some of the like tombs and stuff like that they do amazing work and i know that um now they started doing a parade in mexico city just because it showed up in the bond movie and they're like hey people are coming here to ask about this parade why not do it mm -hmm. i know that there's a specific town that they really go like hardcore in decorating all the tombs i don't remember where but I also know that this is a this is a like company in the Maya Riviera that has all these really awesome theme parks. They're all eco-friendly. They all work with the environment. It, it's great. I've been there and I love it and I will go back again. But um, I believe it's the park called Ishkaret. During this time of the year, they change part of their park to just that whole like Day of the Dead area, and they generally have, well, sometimes they do it that they have a contest and uh, one of the states in Mexico will come and represent their state there for the public to see and stuff like that, so it's, uh, like, really cool, but sometimes they have, like, smaller exhibitions where each state puts how they do their own thing, and you can now, like, get your face painted, you can get food from that area. It's actually really awesome, and I want to go for, like, that day. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And those, all those traditions sound so, so therapeutic. Like, I, I really like the idea of all of that. Like, Halloween, I've always, ref I've always celebrated Halloween kind of the American, or I guess Canadian way. Um, but, yeah, hearing that, it's like, there's so much there like there's it's such a wonderful opportunity to sort of process grief and acknowledge those you've lost which exactly yeah and like perfect time of year for that as in fall as like well I don't know how how it works in Mexico but I know for sure in Canada like fall is where everything's sort of dying back so loss and and grief like this is a great time of year to to celebrate that technically speaking we do have fall but it's not like the fall here mm -hmm. <laughs> unless you're like a little bit further up north but even then it's like texan fall if that kind of makes sense okay so like 
our fall is not super cold unless you're like on the mountain area or further up north but it is cold for them so like when I go visit during winter I take off my jacket it's like whoa it's nice and warm and then my cousin's like I'm stealing your jacket but for them they're freezing kind of thing right mm-hmm. so they do have fall they do have the harvesting moments and stuff but it's just different from what we're used to yeah does like do plants and things in the fall there do things die off or come back the next year like do you know how how the growing season works there or is it just like stuff is growing all year round um I don't know I'm I was too young but I feel like there are stuff that only grows specific seasons like Mangoes and my maize only grow a specific time of the year. But I, for the most part, we are kind of in the tropical area. So we do mm-hmm. have food all year round. Something's always growing. But yeah. not everything for every day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I really like, I really like the sound of those celebrations. And I know even like in the Catholic faith, there's, all saints day and then it is mm-hmm. like three days of i i've never really celebrated this way but i know there's like three days of something i guess acknowledging saints death i i'm not really sure um but then it ends in all souls day so there is sort mm-hmm. of that three day and that's like you said that i can see that kind of merging together yeah yeah i have heard other like cultures do it too i know that a lot of uh, countries in Asia do it as well. Not the way like we do, but I know that they go and they clean their family tombs. Some already have altars in their house with like little tablets with a person's name. Mm-hmm. And like they do their thing like regularly and they put out food and stuff for them. But it depends on who you talk to. There are um, holidays where they put like little I think they call them boats or horses. I forget what it's called, the terminology, and I'm sorry if I'm messing it up. But they put like little zucchinis or other vegetables with little sticks. So they look like they're standing up and it's supposed to help the spirit travel. And then you have like how they leave the the candle on like a flower or something and then they set it up into the lake or river to guide the souls. Which is funny how the river and water always symbolizes souls and death. In a lot of cultures. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Yes. But as cool. for the, sorry, were you, were you gonna say something else? No, I was just acknowledging how interesting and cool that was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, for the All Saints Day, apparently, like I was looking at, it does come from Catholic religions. However, they took some of it from. Gaelic and other pagan religions, which again, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pagan religions or beliefs and things, traditions mixed into the Catholic faith, just like, you know, taking a tree inside your house for Christmas. Cough, cough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for um, sure. <laughs> and I think that goes more towards your point of trying to convert people back then and. Let's mm-hmm. include the holidays. Uh, yeah. yeah. And some of them, you know, people didn't think it would be harmful to 
to let it stay and then suddenly i don't know it turns into a literal witch hunt yeah (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) i believe um shemaine i think i'm saying it right it's a celtic gaelic religion part of paganism so it's mostly often known as witchcraft holidays but it's like their new year's just like you yule is their christmas Mm-hmm. And for them, they used to celebrate All Hallows Eve, which is Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it was like the transition between uh, summer and fall. It has a lot more also with the whole spiritual aspect of it, if I remember correctly. And they had a whole thing with, I believe, costumes as well. So, like, the costume thing does come from way back in the day, but this is the part that I'm not 100% sure. So supposedly it comes from the Catholic religion that you dressed up as saints Mm. and you went door to door. So that part is what I've heard on one side, but on the Gaelic part, it was supposed to like you dress up to keep the ghosts away or like demons or whatever it was supposed to be. You just keep it away. Kind of like if anybody's seen it, how to turn your dragon. And it's like, all the characters have really weird names and Hiccup explains that, you know, you put those names to scare trolls from taking your children. Mm. It's kind of like that. So you dress up to kind of keep those things away or connect to the spirits. It's it's a mix of both. Mm -hmm. And just like the... um, the, the carving of the pumpkins was from a myth, I believe, also Gaelic. Oh, Celtic, sorry. It was a Celtic myth about a guy named Jack who tricked the devil for, to gain money. And then when he died, God wouldn't take him to heaven. And the devil's like, yeah, I don't want you either. So he wanders around for all eternity. And people leave out turnips or... Uh, pumpkins with a little um candle inside and with a scary face to kind of put like kind of warn jack not to come into their house and so it got brought into like the u.s and stuff like that by the the irish or gaelic people that came over interesting mm-hmm. yeah it's cool to to hear about all the different meanings of of traditions and it it often makes me wonder like how they started because there's so much mm-hmm. overlap um it is across the world and it's and everyone has sort of like different explanations or or stories behind it um mm-hmm. but it all it all i feel like a common theme in all of it is just kind of nature and connecting with what's what's going on around you at that time of year Mm -hmm. and also like because it is a new year's tradition in a way for at least the the gaelic people they have things like fortune telling or you know how people get all excited about like oh what's your new year's resolution or like Mm -hmm. what are your hopes and dreams for like new it's similar to that. So they took a lot of time to do different things. Like, I don't know if you've ever done bobbing for apples. I've definitely never done it. 
but you see it a lot on movies. I did so, it once as a kid, actually. Huh? And it stressed oh, me out. It stressed Ooh. me out. Um, it, it seemed like a fun idea, but then I, I definitely only did it once. I can't even remember where or why. I definitely don't see that happening these days. Um, people bought yeah, couples. Yeah, um, But yeah, it, it was a fun idea. Hmm. What were you going to say well, about I know it? Oh, that it's supposed to be like a form of fortune telling, supposedly. So the woman would be the one that bobs for the apple and the apple that she bites. It represents like their future partner or something like that. And they had like a bunch of similar things like one was called mirror gazing. So supposedly if you look into a mirror, I think like late at night or something, it will give you like a vision of the future and a bunch of other little rituals and like for example the whole like getting candy from houses was originally getting soul cakes so those little breads i don't know if anybody's seen those they kind of look like hot crust buns mm. and that's kind of where the idea for getting candy came from mm. yeah i don't know that's that's pretty much all i could find aside from that like I mainly know my own culture's way of doing All Saints Day or Day of the Dead. Like the whole face paint was not a thing until recently. But they always joke around that, you know, Mexicans have fun with death or like we don't see death as terrible in a way because there's so much happiness of being able to come back that one for like those couple days once the year so you never lose the person that you have lost physically like their soul will always come back and visit you during that time yeah yeah and I think that's such a I think I think that's such a great tradition like um I know I I feel like uh in my experience death is something that's just like not talked about or people get really uncomfortable talking about death and then it's and it's kind of avoided which i i don't think that's a great thing for processing death if if you can't really talk to anyone about it mm-hmm. uh, and i think i think really it it is Loss, I think, is an uncomfortable topic for, for, and I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but it is hard to talk about sometimes. So I think having sort of tradi- traditions around it, like, like Day of the Dead or, or even funerals or, or things like that, just mm-hmm. sort of give the okay for people to talk about it and um, not that not that we should ever really need an okay to talk about things that we need to process, but it makes it easier to talk about when we have traditions like that, which I think is really I agree. Important. I totally, totally agree. I feel like it's, mm, I might generalize this, but I think everyone, like at least most cultures in the world, tend to kind of like shove grief kind of like on the, on the side. Kind of like mm-hmm. similar to, to when we had those 
episodes about sex and other things. Like, we do not talk about that. We don't talk about poop either. And I'm like, why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we talking about, like, periods, poop, grief, like, all these other things as well. They're, mm-hmm. they're things everybody goes through. We talk about happiness a lot. We talk about sadness. But why can't we talk about this and actually be able to express ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, it's it's interesting how those things have been things to kind of not talk about. I think there's there's a lot of vulnerability associated with all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it kind of makes me wonder why. I mean, it's like even sadness, I... I find people, yeah, it's it's a lot easier to talk about being happy than being sad, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice to have sort of outlets, I guess, for talking about sadness, too. Yeah, and it's it's actually really sad. Like, when we ask, hey, how are you? We expect the other person to say good. If they see something else, a lot of people are like, oh, what do I do now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting how that happens. And I'm even thinking about like celebrating Halloween here like it's it's almost become like um like I I feel like sadness isn't really part of Halloween. It's all about like at least in my experience it's like let's carve a pumpkin and put a scary face on it and like it there's even like it's there's a happiness around that too and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be you know a happy time of the year like yeah even for us yes we have you know our day of the dead bread or chocolate or food oh my god the tamales are so good during that time of year and so on but like it's still meant to gather family make it all happy even though it's a time of like a little bit of sadness it's like mm-hmm. we're celebrating other people's lives and remembering them in a happy way or at least spending time together with family gives us an excuse to spend time together mm-hmm. instead of just you know like I don't know whatever what you used to be before did they just like you know pray the rosary around like I don't know I've never celebrated All Saints Day the traditional Catholic way yeah I don't even I mean I'm sure prayer and church is involved um yeah I'm not even I'm not even sure either but yeah I do I do really like kind of I like what Halloween has become when it when it does involve the spiritual aspect as well and and the whole recognizing death and talking about death in a way that just sort of gives you permission to talk about it without Mm -hmm. um without i mean it almost takes that discomfort away um yeah yeah but i think when well yeah and i I was gonna say like i don't really like halloween becoming just about getting candy and not me neither and all of that like that that doesn't really feel beneficial especially yeah especially when I think about 
the candy that people tend to collect and all of the sugar. But that's like a another another mm-hmm. topic. Um, but where was I going with that? Yeah, like I think I think in general Halloween brings about like it really opens the conversation around death regardless of how you look at it or it's about kind of the harvest and um like pumpkins and and things that are in season and around and i think yeah overall i think it's a pretty great holiday Mm -hmm. and you see it a lot in like this comes from a long 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 time ago i don't know who created this but it's something that's kind of buried in a lot of like history because i mean i'm just going to use greeks because i love greek mythology and hades and persephone have been my favorite gods since like forever and a half (laughs) but like you were saying about time to actually be able to talk about that at one point in ancient greece there was I guess you could call like a little cult part of it. Only certain people were really allowed to go into this group that kind of, they didn't really fully worship just Hades and Persephone and Demeter. Like you were allowed to worship them in time and whatever. But like it was, it was a specific cult for Demeter and Persephone, which kind of, it was in a sanctuary of Lucian which kind of just focused mostly on death and the transformation of death. I mean, sometimes people believe that, you know, they could bring people back to life, et cetera, et cetera. But it could have been, we're reading it or interpreting it wrong, and it could have been like a day when the souls come back, similar to what we're talking about now. And it was called the Illusion Mysteries. I heard about this during my classics course in uh, university because, you know, I figured I needed a bird course and Greek mythology was like the one I chose, Mm -hmm. but it involved a lot of harvesting and involved a lot of like different cycles um, of death. So it was uh, the loss or the descent to the underworld, the ascent of coming back via Persephone and it involved like a couple of other festivals. I I forgot what they are. It's like something something else i forgot what it was but it had like a bunch of different things that kind of just you see in a lot a lot of other cultures mm-hmm. so i wonder why we actually started this or if it's actually true that what they say that during this time of the year the veil between the dead and the living is a lot thinner and they actually do cross over Mm. yeah I mean it's not like we can go back in time and interview people and be like so explain this to me a little bit more Mm -hmm. yeah and it's I think I think that that's part of the reason why death is so uncomfortable to talk about is just because there's so much uncertainty around it like you said like maybe this is a time where the veil becomes thinner between the dead and the living. We, we just know, and there's, there's really not really a way of knowing. And 
I think when we don't know things, we get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why a lot of people don't really talk about death. I remember even as a kid, I was really curious and asking my parents questions about death. And it was like, they would answer me to a certain point, but then they, they just didn't know the answers. And then it becomes, well, I don't know, like, let's not, let's talk about something better. Let's talk about something happier. Mm-hmm. And, it's, mm-hmm. and it's because, yeah, we, we don't know. I mean, I've, I've never talked to anyone who's died and come back. So um, there's, yeah, there's, there's things that we hope for and different religious traditions that sort of point us in, in different directions. And I think that's kind of where faith and trust comes in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable not knowing. Mm-hmm. And some of the medical things that we experienced today were back then, like, for example, I believe I don't know if it was all of Europe, but I think it was mostly in England that you see, I don't know if Canada has some too, but supposedly some tombstones, if you notice, have like a little bell. Mm. So that was because people were buried alive. Not that they didn't notice that the person was, you know, alive. It was like they went into a coma. Mm-hmm. So they... They're technically dead according to how they would like see some things and they bury the person and they would tie. Well, eventually they started tying a little um, string on their pinkies so that when they woke up, they could ring the bell if they were actually alive. But some people would be buried alive and they would hear noises and they would open the coffin a little too late and they would see claw marks. So that's when people started realizing, oh, something's going on. And the idea of like zombies and coming back to the life, I think kind of started making its way around. I don't mm-hmm. know if before that what happened, but there are different ways of like talking about how people die. That's why usually, like at least in the past, they didn't go with a heartbeat like we do on TV. They would put a mirror underneath a person's nose to see if there was the slightest breath. If mm-hmm. it fogged, the means that person was still alive and they would like mourn and stay with a person in their room for I don't know I think it was like two or three days to make sure the person actually died so I don't know if it's it's hard to explain because like yeah some of it's cultural some of it is like coming back to life from not actually being dead, but being misdiagnosed or is it actually a spiritual aspect to it? And then we're just reflecting harvest with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These are all good questions. Um, yeah. And I feel like there, yeah, there's not really a way of knowing. And I, I, there are so many different ways to explain things. And I think, um, I feel like I've mentioned this quote before in one of our other episodes, but about science being the modern language of mysticism. Like, I think we're always kind of trying to 
explain things and figure things out because we don't we don't like not knowing and i think i think it's a good thing to try and figure out how things work and and learn more about death and it and it kind of learning more about death makes things in life seem um so much more interesting less scary yeah and less scary um but yeah i at a certain point, I think we have to really, there, there is that element of, of faith and trust and just, um, yeah, learning as much as we can and, and being okay with what we don't quite know yet. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, for those who are going through something like this and you are grieving, just know it's okay. And it's not something that, you know, it'll take a week or a month to go away. For some people, yeah, it does. But they grieve differently. You'll see different behaviors and stuff like that. For others, it might take a year. It doesn't mean you have to dress in black or in some cultures white to represent your mourning. Just take it easy. And it doesn't always mean that because you are mourning, you can't be happy. So just make sure you take care of your mental health. And you actually eat and drink water, well, healthy food, hopefully, not just junk food. Because I know that some people, and actually a lot of people, when we get sad, we go for snacks just to make ourselves feel momentarily better. But it does affect your mental health and how your brain function, how your brain functions, my bad. And so, like, try to eat healthy to keep, keep yourself in a lighter and happier mood even while you are grieving. And I believe Felicia talked about journaling and other things before. Yeah, yeah. So journaling is a great way, I think, to help process grief. Um, Sometimes it can be hard to talk to somebody else about what you're feeling. I think it's important to talk to other people about how you're feeling. Um, But usually when you're talking to someone else, you're, you're not just dealing with your stuff at that point but also their stuff and maybe they're uncomfortable talking about death and then it ends up becoming um, something where it makes you even more uncomfortable talking about it Um, so while I do think it is really important to talk to other people about what you're experiencing because sometimes they might have a similar experience and that shared experience is really powerful I think Um, but when it is too hard journaling about it is is a great way to to process yeah and i feel like it's always good to to ask the person if they have time mm-hmm. if um they're willing to talk or listen to you talk about death that like is something a- that's triggering for them maybe not such a good idea go on yeah, no, that I was just gonna say that is a great point. Um, that that is such a good thing to do to ask someone if they have time or if they're willing to talk about it because I think not only do you kind of get their permission, but it it makes it easier to talk about when you sort of you're almost setting the space when you do something like that um, because you're you're communicating your intention and your intention is to talk about what you're feeling. Um, and then it just, it's, 
yeah, it's getting permission and <laughs> it feels similar to like Halloween being a time to talk about death. It's you have permission and that makes it so much easier to to talk about things that are hard to talk about. And find a person that is willing to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like I know I have one friend. She and I rant all the time to each other, but when it gets like like we jokingly rant, right? So it's like, ah, this person did this again. I can't take it anymore, kind of thing. But when it's something serious, I will generally be like, hey, can I actually rant to you about something? Like I'll ask because I know that I need it to be serious, not just jokingly, even though we still joke about it halfway. But it's also like, are you okay to like, are you mentally okay right now to be able to talk about it? And she does the same to me. So if I'm having a bad day and she sends it, I'm like, "Mm, can you give me like an hour or something to get into the right headspace and be mentally ready for whatever you need to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's such a, that's such an important point. And then even talking to a therapist, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's someone who is trained. Specialized. Yeah. And is trained to be ready to, to create the space to make it um, easier to talk about these things and, and can give you that space to, to process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was something else I was going to say on that topic, but I forget now. Was it related to talking or was it the staying active? Oh, yes. It was about, um, yeah, being harder, when it's harder to take care of yourself when you're grieving. I think, mm-hmm. I think it's important to reach out to people at that time. And it can be really hard to ask for help, especially when you're you're trying to process something but maybe it's asking for help cooking a meal or um or cleaning your space or or whatever it is i i think i think it's important to um to have people to to help you through that time and mm-hmm. it that kind of shows up in a lot of traditions as well when someone dies people might send baskets or baked goods or or offer to help around and and i think um i think yeah reaching out is is also important and for those people that are like me and do not ask for help accept it when it's being offered because I know that, like me, I, I will not ask for help. But sometimes people know this about me and they'll be like, hey, can I come over and do this for you? And I'll be like, yeah. So I have to learn to see like, yes, right? Yeah. And actually, if, if you're someone who has a hard time asking for help, I am also in that category. <laughs> it, it is hard to ask for help. And I was actually talking to um angelica she's been on our podcast before um Mm -hmm. a relationship coach and she we were talking about this and she was like 
Yeah, you need to recognize the gift you're giving someone when you ask for help. Um, and it it's true when, like I think about when someone asks me for help, um, it's, it's nice to be able to provide for someone else and you feel good. And so that person that's asked me for help is actually giving me a gift in now I feel good about myself and that I was able to help. Um, so yeah, working, working on those things when you're healthy, um, and, mm-hmm. and being, working on being more willing or able to ask for help, or maybe working on, or trying to figure out why it's hard for you to ask for help and, and just working through that with someone when you're healthy will help when things are maybe not as good. And, and it's, it's really, I find it's really hard to, um, to work on those things when, when you're already having other stresses. Mm-hmm. And I like how uh, you and Angelica described it as a gift. I never really consider it. I mean, most of us know that if somebody gives you a present or a gift, it's kind of rude to be like, I don't want it and take it back. Exactly. So, right? And that yeah. that was kind of like a a mind bend for me too. Cause a lot of the time uh when someone would give me something, it'd be like, No, 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 that's okay. And I didn't even really think about how like I I could even be offending them by like maybe they put a lot of thought into that and now I'm like no 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 it's okay um because I I thought I was whatever like my stuff but yeah it's, exactly it's um it's yeah usually if someone's offering you something it's I mean because they want to yeah yeah exactly not because you're being like forcing them and you're not the burden or I don't know what else could be going through your mind at that moment that you might be thinking of, but mm-hmm. like they're actually doing it because they care, not because they have to. I mean, some people do, but like generally the ones that actually really care about you will be the first ones to offer. Yeah. And there's so many different like cultural things that go into that, your past experience mm-hmm. and all of that, that that definitely is worth working on. And it's, it's really interesting when you kind of start to see um, how much your culture and experiences impact your, your decisions and how you act. Um, But even like in, in my culture, like in the Italian culture, it's very like, like people will be like, no, 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 I don't want it. And you have to like, really ask a few times before the person will be like okay yeah actually I do and it's just it's so funny to see those those different things and the way different people react to things and and yeah it's it's definitely worth working on so that it is more easy it is easier for you to ask for help when you need it mm-hmm. and I think that kind of sums everything up we did touch on grief like we promised and we brought Halloween, so it's like a happier aspect to celebrating when we miss somebody, right? So I don't know if you guys have another style, a different holiday or a different way of celebrating those 
those things, let us know because we clearly enjoy it. Well, especially I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything like death and Halloween related, I am here for it. Um, but yeah, let us know what you guys think. How do you guys celebrate all these things and other stuff you might do for, for grief? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely let us know and yeah, let us know your traditions and and all of that. And if you guys have experienced any of the holidays or festivities that we've talked about or tried any of the food, also let us know. Let me know what you think. I know that Harbor Front in Toronto used to have an exhibition for Day of the Dead every year, but clearly um, COVID put a little stop to that. <laughs> yeah, like so many things. Yep. Um, yeah, but... I I will definitely be thinking about Day of the Dead on Halloween this year. Well, I'll show you my little altar if I get it set up on time. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, because we do do it every year. It's not as pretty and big as the ones in Mexico, but we do a small little version for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, mm. so... So we'll be back in two weeks to talk about pumpkins. So speaking of Halloween, maybe save some of your pumpkins because we might have some ideas of what you can do with them after Halloween. Uh, Unless they're carved because then, you know, you can't really use them. Yes, that's true. Especially if you've carved them and they've been sitting out. You don't, don't, make, don't make pumpkin soup with those. <laughs> Yes. Um, You can rate, comment, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also donate to our podcast on our coffee page. um, And that's ko-fi.com slash medicine kitchen. Invite your friends to join our community and improve their health. You can follow us on our social media at Felicia Senza ND and Sweet Nutritionista. We will be posting bi-weekly. Thank you for joining us. See you next time. Happy Halloween and happy healing. <laughs>